I am hosting a retreat in Tulum, Mexico, in paradise this October called Bloom in Tulum. It's a five-day, all-inclusive, personal and professional growth retreat for ambitious, big-hearted women who are ready to step into their power with grace, support, and confidence. So my two biz besties and I dreamed up this magical retreat over sushi a few months back, and after lots of planning, it's actually happening. We have mapped out a thoughtful itinerary with lots of downtime to make the most of this beautiful paradise beachside location and also set you up for a powerful and memorable experience of growth. There's only 20 spots available and all three of us are promoting it to our full community. So that's like over 50,000 people. So I imagine the spots will fill very quickly. If you are interested in joining us in Bloom and Tulum, go to bloomintulum.com for all the details and to complete your application. Also know that early bird pricing ends on June 30th. So it's a really good time to secure your spot and save some money. I mean, honestly, like how fun would it be to hang out in person at a gorgeous, luxurious, all-inclusive in October? So head to Bloom in Tulum. That's B-L-O-O-M in Tulum. T-U-L-U-M. Bloomintulum.com for all the details and complete your application. There's a culture out there that is constricting their lives to the point where they really don't know what they're capable of. You are listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 283. Today, we're talking about how to promote independence in your kids with Lenore Skenazy. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome to this episode, dear listener. I'm so glad you are here. Welcome, welcome. This is going to be a great episode, but first a special welcome if you are new. Woot woot. Good for you. I'm glad you are joining the tribe with us. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with the wonderful Lenore Skenazy, president of Let Grow, the national nonprofit promoting childhood independence and resilience, and founder of the Free Range Kids Movement. And we're going to be talking about how to help kids be more independent and like, do your kids have the opportunity to be independent? You know, a lot of us have become so fearful in the world around us that we really drastically limit our children's ability to grow their independence. And so we talk about why allowing kids to explore their independence is so important for their development and self-esteem. And I want you to look for some big takeaways, as usual, that I got from this conversation. And one is that learning independence and self-sufficiency really builds resilience. These are life skills that they need. Why stranger danger isn't what we should be teaching and how to get your community involved in getting all the kids more independent. So I'm so excited for you to dive into this conversation. 
And before we dive in, I want to invite you to learn more about the Mindful Parenting membership. If you are wanting to stop yelling and have your kids listen to you as well, you want both of those things without having to like scream at them and punish them, you may want to dive in and check out the Mindful Parenting membership. And it is for people who know that they and their families deserve support Last night in the Mindful Parenting membership, we had our evening live coaching call. We have 36 hours of live coaching calls every year for a lifetime, lifetime membership only. And last night we talked about how to get a three and a half year old boy who is screaming at bedtime if mommy isn't there, how to be more independent, how to solve that problem. We also talked about a six year old whose mom is worried about cooperation, that attachment feeling, talking about how to go through the process of reattachment, but also how to reconnect in that relationship, also do the inner work that is involved with that because we recognize in mindful parenting that the outer fixes are nice. They're all well and good and they're important. And we talk a lot about those strategies and those communication strategies. That's really, really important, but it's not enough without the inner work. If we don't do the inner work with understanding ourselves and our triggers, self-compassion, practicing habits that really steady our hearts and minds and nervous systems, then if we don't do that inner work, all those outer problems are just going to come to the surface again and again and again. And that's what makes mindful parenting different. It's a community of hundreds of people around the world who are doing this work together, who know that we can't just DIY it with this really, really important work of changing our language from the inside out. So if you are curious and want to learn more about the mindful parenting method or get on the wait list, go to mindfulparentingcourse.com. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. And then you and me, we can have like live podcasts in our monthly coaching calls. You can ask me all your questions live and in person and get the support you need and the real like clear strategy rather than like the I'm scattered and looking all over the place and listening to all the things, right? And get that clear strategy you need to really ground yourself and then communicate with your kids. And it just gets easier and easier over time, which is so, so cool. So learn more about that at mindfulparentingcourse.com. And of course, in Mindful Parenting, we love independent children. Yeah. We want some independent, resilient kiddos. So this conversation is going to be powerful for you to listen to. I can't wait for you to dive into it. So let's just do it. Join me at the table as I talk once again to the wonderful Lenore Skenazy. All right, Lenore, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Oh, well, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here, obviously, or I wouldn't be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm happy to talk to you too. Welcome back because you have been on the Mindful Mama podcast before you guys can listen to, go back and listen to episode 140. No, no, no. Don't go listen. What if I'm saying (laughs) the exact same things? That would be just be, you know, you're supposed to grow. What if I didn't? (laughs) No, it'll just be able to reinf- it'll be reinforcing. <laughs> mm, yeah, right. Just get a recording. <laughs> um, so, you know, I want to dive into this because uh, this generation, we seem to be like this super protective generation of parents, and and actually, it's with our kids too. Like, they're they so they've kind of can even like. Um, 
have imbibed the culture in, in such a way. So for instance, like my kids who I have raised in a very free range kind of way, mm-hmm. they've done a lot of different things. They don't want to, like, they wanted to, one of the, wanted to get candy for something. And we've got like a convenience store. That's like, a right. mile I, I, I salute the that. Yes. To candy. Yes. And yeah, so I said, why don't you just go bike there and get some candy? And they're like, no, they're like, I'm not going to go in a store by myself and get <gasps> yes, candy. And I was this. like, why not? Like, I don't know. Like I went to stores by myself when I was seven and got myself candy, but they feel really weird about doing that because there are no other kids that are just around like going into stores by themselves. So (laughs) I, I, I just, this is only for me. This is fascinating to me because I did you know, we do, I'll get into what Let Grow is after a while. Mm-hmm. Let Grow is the nonprofit that grew out of free range kids. But one of the main things we do is we encourage schools to have the students do the Let Grow project, which is they get the homework assignment, go home and do something new on your own without your parents. And I usually, I don't have it up today, but I usually keep the list of the kids' projects on my other screen here. And I read aloud from them. They, they filled out a little form of what would you like to do, but you're a little hesitant to do. And one of them is I am, I'm hesitant to go into a store without my mom because it is filled with strangers. And I always read that like, isn't that the weirdest thing you've ever heard? <laughs> but now it, it is confirmed that it's not just them. And, and you know, when I've done this project in different schools, at first I thought that the kids were being um, histrionic, you know, just overly dramatic to have something to say, as opposed to this, you know, I decided to make some scrambled eggs because why not, which is what I thought they meant. But they would always say, they'd be writing things like, I wanted to scramble some eggs, but I was afraid because there's an open flame or because uh, it could be hot or I could burn the house down. And, and the first school that I read these in, I thought, God, they're really teaching them terrible writing. I know they're trying to get them to be understand that like there have to be high stakes or nobody will read your piece, but this is terrible, <laughs> right? Don't make everything into World War III. And then I started going to other schools that were not in touch with these schools. And they were saying the same. I wanted to, to- for, you know, to, to, to make toast, but what if I burned the apartment down? What if I burned the house? I think, I think the only thing to change is somewhere in an apartment that they were going to burn down and somewhere in a house that they were going to burn down. But somehow this inflated sense of danger and drama was not because of the English teaching or because of the lessons they'd been taught in dramatic structure. I think it was something they felt, and if your kids who you're raising as free range as you can, and I never blame parents or whatever they're doing, you know, you know your kids are alive, as Roseanne Barr said, that's enough. Um, you know, there's a culture out there that is that is constricting their lives to the point where they really don't know what they're capable of and what's awaiting them that they might love doing and might be great at and might be excited by and might be frightened by, but that's good because the doors never open. My daughter's like us, a Boy Scout and, you know, and has like, we went ice hiking together and she's does leadership things and like goes into the woods and like puts up a tent and, and like, you know, has been making a shelter in the woods by herself, you know, like she does all these things, but then it was like, I don't want to go into a convenience store. It was so, I was just like, I I was like, totally shocked and a little 
sad and now they don't want to go into the convenience store by themselves because I really want them to. <laughs> oh, right. Now it's a bone of contention. It's like practicing piano, except it's getting a slushy. <laughs> right. exactly. I will not get a Hershey bar. You can't make me. Right. Maybe that's good. Maybe you, maybe this is like a brilliant technique that everybody's going to want to copy. Okay. Our kids aren't eating candy all the time. That's great. <laughs> but you know, this, this started way back. I mean, this started a lot earlier because I remember when you're, you were in the news for your son taking the, the subway to school. And that was, that was 14 years ago. When <laughs> I was my say, daughter like was... 1972. When was it? It was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> it was when my daughter was being born. And, mm-hmm. and I remember getting so mad at the world for the way they got met so mad at you. So oh, I you. know that everybody, you know, all the listeners don't know the story. So if you don't mind just repeating the story briefly. I will repeat the story and then you'll let me know. When is this airing? This, oh, this. I don't know. We are scheduling up into like June, July and June at the moment. Oh, okay. So, um, no, no, I'm just thinking about, we're waiting for some laws to pass and I would tell you a story, but I want to make sure the law passes before I tell the story. So <laughs> I won't. Um, so uh, when our son was nine, uh, which is, hard to remember, my husband and I started, he was just asking us uh, if we would let him take this up, take him someplace he'd never been before and let him find his own way home on the subway. And we live here in New York City. And so that was something we had to consider because we really are on the subways all the time. On the other hand, we have an older son who was 11 and still had never asked to do that. So it was a little weird. Um, My son, my older son called himself the control group. And and so we did obviously let the nine-year-old do this. I took him to Bloomingdale's one day, which is a fancy schmancy department store, right back in the middle of a fancy schmancy Manhattan neighborhood. And we lived in Manhattan at the time. And I left him in the handbag department because I knew that that was right above the entrance to the subway. And I went home a different way. And sure enough, he took the subway home, took the subway down to 34th Street, took the bus across town, came into our apartment, levitating with joy and pride. And I didn't write about it right away, even though I'm a newspaper columnist because it wasn't that big a deal. But when I didn't have a topic to write about, like a couple months later, I said, I'll write about, is he taking the subway? You know, some. Mm-hmm you know, he's in fourth grade and some of the other fourth grade parents were like, hmm. So, so I wrote why I let my nine-year-old ride the subway alone. And two days later, I was on the Today Show, MSNBC, Fox News, and NPR, um, and defending myself. And um, that was the beginning of this. So I started, I started the Free Range Kids blog that weekend to say I love safety and I actually am a nervous mom. And I, I just, um, the only thing I'm not nervous about is strangers. Ask me about cars. I'm terrified. My son now drives to work. I hate it. I wish he was taking the subway by himself as a three-year-old rather than driving <laughs> on the Long Island Expressway to work. It drives well, me nuts. Well, that's actually more dangerous. I know. I mean, it's I the know. most dangerous thing you do. <laughs> Don't tell drive. me. I got to put my fingers in my ears. I know. I know. I think I have like, I have a rational yet hysterical sense of driving as being the real enemy of life. So, you know, one of the reasons I grew up in the suburbs, I moved to New York City, so I wouldn't ever have to drive again. So it's really rather fanatical on my part. But anyways, the the blog was there to say, you know, safety is good, but children don't need a security detail every time they leave the house. And that's sort of where we've gotten to. And to the point where I was just, I was just writing to yet another child psychologist (laughs) before we got on. Because there was an article in The Guardian two days ago 
that there had been a study done in Britain that said that this, this generation is not allowed to go outside unsupervised until two years older than their parents were. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'd say I'm grandparent age now. So, th- so my kids were probably going out two years later than I was. I mean, and, and if we keep doing that, I mean, we're really undermining childhood because childhood is an age of, you know, exploring and playing. And if there's always an adult there, it's, it's inevitably changed because an adult makes things in, in some ways better, you know, here, let me throw it to your board. I'll keep throwing the ball to you, or I'll, you know, I'll pay whatever game you want, or I'll be there with a snack, or I'll be there if you get hurt. And all those things that you're not dealing with as a kid, because somebody, you know, more, more experienced and careful and caring is taking care of you means that you don't get that same foundation that they got that made them into this nice caring adult. So we Mm. can't keep whittling away at childhood and, and expecting kids to be able to march into, you know, the seven 11. And I don't think that your kids are ruined for not being able to march into a seven 11. And there's a bunch of things that my kids didn't do. There's something I was thinking about today that my kids didn't do that I had done as a kid. Um, sleepovers. I don't think my kids went on more than a, if they went on a handful of sleepovers, that was it. And, you know, that was like one of my favorite things as a kid. And those are gradually evaporating from, um, from the landscape. So it's, it's not individually we're hurting our kids. It's that this society has decided that kids can't handle anything. And that is, uh, you know, underestimating them and overestimating danger. And it's not, you know, it's, it's making us have no freedom because we have to be with our kids every single second. And it's giving them no freedom to screw up, to, to climb a tree, to, to fall off their bike and get back on it because we're helping them just too much. Yeah, it's like we're in this helicopter hovering parenting place in general. But, but people, you know, some listeners would argue like, but the world is dangerous, right? Like the, it's, it's dangerous for me to let my kids go out in the neighborhood by themselves and they, you know, things could happen. What, what are some of the big dangers that parents are, are worried about that, that we may not have to worry about so much? I'm going to flip it. I'm going to say some of the dangers that we aren't worrying about. Um, so you mentioned that your daughter is a Boy Scout, which is cool. Uh, my kids were Boy Scouts too. Um, they were boy Boy Scouts. That's how old, how long ago. And um, the thing they teach you in Boy Scouts that is helpful is that, um, you know, in general, the, the, the big dangers to kids are not strangers. People focus on stranger danger, I think in part because it rhymes, but also because we've been taught it <laughs> the whole time. I mean, you were probably growing up when there were the missing children on the milk cartons, right? Oh, yeah. 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 I remember that. Right. And you probably thought they were all kidnapped, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was scary. Yeah. Well, they weren't is the thing. I mean, most of them, the vast majority of kids who go missing are runaways um, or taken in uh, like divorced parents are having a custody dispute. You know, so actual stranger danger at the hands of a stranger is um, vanishingly rare, thank God. On the other hand, you know, there are dangers to kids and most of them are, come at the hands of people they know, you know, family and family friends. And so, so what the Boy Scouts teach is the three R's, um, which is to recognize that no one can touch you where your bathing suit covers. They just can't. You can start teaching kids. They don't have to be Boy Scout age. You can start teaching them that at age three, just like you Mm -hmm. teach them to stop, drop, and roll. Uh, So recognize, resist. 
Uh, if anybody tries to hurt you or touch you or do something bad or whatever, you're allowed to scream, run, kick, you know, you, you don't have to be polite. You can do whatever you want, resist them, you know, and, and predators like everyone else don't want to be bothered. They would like something easier. And then finally it's report and report means tell me, even if they said, don't tell anybody, or if you tell anybody, I'm going to hurt somebody. You can always come to me. I'll make sure that nobody gets hurt and I won't be mad at you. And so by taking away like the shame and fear of talking to me, I have really taken away the predator's greatest asset. The greatest mm -hmm. ally of them is secrecy. So if you've told your kids what to look out for, what to do, and you know what to do if the worst does happen, you have made your kid and, and all kids so much safer because you know to tell your kids never go outside, you can't wait alone at the bus stop, you can't walk to school. Um, statistically, we sort of got it backwards. You know, actually, they're, they're sort of safe walking to the bus stop and sort of unsafe until you've taught them what to, you know, what to watch out for amongst the people they know. We are supported by Melon Headwear. These hats are perfect for Father's Day. They are built to be in and around water. They last five times longer than any other hat. They're naturally antimicrobial properties. It doesn't, sweat doesn't break down the hat. No sweat stains, no smell ever. It's built for the water. We tested it tubing on the Brandywine River and it was fabulous. It even floats when it drops in the water. It doesn't lose shape. It is amazing. An incredible, comfortable fit. Use code MINDFUL at checkout for 30% off your order. If you're trying to figure out a Father's Day gift, honestly, trust me, this is exactly what they want. Go to melon.com, that's M-E-L-I-N.com, and use the code MINDFUL at checkout for 30% off. Melon rarely offers discounts, so don't miss this opportunity. It is, I swear, the perfect Father's Day gift. Premium headwear, melon.com. Use the code mindful for 30% off. We are sponsored by Midi Health. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, vaginal dryness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. All of these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around perimenopause and menopause. And the experts at Midi Health understand what you're experiencing and how to help. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions. MIDI care is covered by insurance, and with MIDI Health, you can stop pushing through it all alone. Schedule a virtual visit to discuss your symptoms and health background in depth. You'll come out of the experience feeling heard and with a plan to start feeling better. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Joinmidi.com. Well, this is so important what you're saying because we, we want to protect our kids. We want to protect their innocence. So a lot of people have a lot of reticence to have those incredibly important conversations that you're talking about. And we also talked about this recently in the episode with Amy Lang, but that how incredibly vital and um, preservative that is of your kids' health, physical health, mental health, all of that stuff, preventing trauma, how in incredibly important that is. But we want to protect them and kind of keep their innocence so we feel uncomfortable having those conversations. So we don't have those conversations, but then we don't, we, we kind of hold them in 
from doing things out in the world. That so, they could if they were a little protected. Yeah. So really the big thing that we're all, all these parents are worried about is our other adults and stranger danger, maybe because we were raised with yeah. the kids on the back yeah. of the, the milk cartons. Like <laughs> yeah. we're the generation that were raised with that. So it's like deep yeah. in, in, in there. Huh. Yeah. So um, the other thing is that I, I don't even know what category this fits in, but it was a story that made an impression on me, which is that my friend's mom, 80 years old, and I guess I must have been talking to her about the same thing I'm talking to you about, which is kids and what they're allowed to do. And of course, everybody starts reminiscing about their own childhood. And she grew up in New York City and she and her sister were at um, a public playground and some guy said, tss, tss, you know, sort of motioned to them to come over to the car and they didn't know what to do. They came over to the car and he rolled down the window and then he pointed down and guess what was there? And right. she said, yeah, right, right, right. And she said, and to this day, we giggle about it. <laughs> and that was just such another generational response. I mean, just imagine, I mean, I don't want my kids to be exposed to creepy guys, you know, pulling down their pants. For all I know, they have been. Um, but, but we can't assume that everything that's uncomfortable or even icky is a trauma, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want to keep your kids trauma-free, um, you know, try not to, I don't know, have your house burned down, <laughs> try not to have something really terrible happen, but the little, you know, icky things, discomforts that they have. I mean, we, we really have to remember that uh, children like the rest of us are, are built to deal with some things. And because they do, then they get this layer of protection, like insouciance, like that was bad. <laughs> I can laugh it off. What a jerk. My sister and I, you know, we bonded over this as opposed to now I'm damaged goods. My innocence is shed. I'll never be an okay person. Perhaps I'll never love the end. It, it doesn't have to be that way. We've sort of been um, fed this. I always think of it as parents magazine fault, but um, you know, so many articles on all the terrible things that can happen. And then finally you get down to the like the smaller and smaller things that are considered terrible traumas. And Winston Churchill said, we did not come all this way because we are made of something like spun sugar, something your children will never get because they will never go to the candy store, but, um, <laughs> but, but we aren't. And, and there's this idea that the kinder we are, the more we think of our children in terms of how vulnerable they are. And I'm not saying they're not vulnerable. I'm saying they're vulnerable and resilient. Mm, yeah. And we, we can, teach this resilience. And one thing I learned from you, which I think is so valuable and free range kids, I got my a copy way, way back when, um, is the idea that to teach your kids to talk to strangers. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, strangers I are good. so brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Like to yeah. talk to strangers, you know, which is so like, like that was so driven into Actually, us. Don't talk to strangers. Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> this is my mask that I wear. I don't know if it's coming. Oh, hello. It says, I talk to strangers. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> because I do talk to strangers. I mean, frankly, I wouldn't be a reporter if I couldn't talk to strangers. Um, but what we, what I meant by that then and what, what you're talking about now is that since the vast majority of people are good, if your kid does feel threatened by someone, you know, if there's a 
you know, the car is rolling along very slowly, not a car, sorry, a white van with no windows is, is following you quietly down the street. And there's a guy who's dressed like a clown, you know, inside. Oh and guess God. what? He happens to have lost his puppy too. Does he understand he's overkill here? Um, you know, you don't have to uh, not talk to strangers. You can run across the street to the guy who's raking his leaves or somebody who's walking their dog, some giant hulking stranger who is not following you in a car and say, I'm going to stand next to you until that creep with the, the, the clown guy <laughs> goes away. Because mm -hmm. most people are good. And um, I don't even like the advice, like go find a mom or go find a mom of little kids. Like, oh, let's see, your child is seven. Could I trust you? Oh, your child's nine. Forget it. You know, people, you know, people who weren't following you down the street are not going to say like, well, I guess, you know, I have the rake, but better to have a child. I guess I'll just go steal him since he's fallen into my lap. People don't work that way. So mm -hmm. don't take all the good people out of your children's lives, the people who could help them if they are ever in a difficult situation um, by saying, don't talk to them. You know, there's that famous Boy Scout story again of the, the Utah Boy Scout who was lost on the trail and I can't remember his name, so we're going to call him Timmy. And, and all the people like fanned out for three days, Timmy, Timmy. And whenever you hear his name, he'd go and hide because <laughs> oh, they were no. strangers. Yes. Oh, don't talk no. to strangers. Oh, right. No. Right. Finally, I guess he was starving or something. I mean, they found him. It's, and it's not an apocryphal story. You can Google Utah Boy Scout stranger danger. Um, but anyway, so the point is that teach your kids that they can't, you know, that you can't tolerate a person doing something creepy, but you can definitely talk to people. Um, because they're interesting or because you need them. And the whole key is that you can talk to strangers. You can't go off with strangers because little mm. kids don't even know who's a stranger, right? You know, mm. this nice guy on the park, he says he knows mommy. Is that a stranger? It's not going to seem a stranger to a five-year-old, but I can't go with you. No, I cannot go with you. Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So we can teach our kids, I cannot go with you. The three R's, but it, what you're describing, Lenore, really requires like a major mindset shift for parents, because I think that we as a culture tend to be so fear oriented. You know, we're fed this 24 hour news cycle. We have a natural innate negativity bias where we're on alert for threats. I just like, pressed send on my article on this. Why are people afraid of their unvaccinated parents or their vaccinated parents visiting with the vaccinated, unvaccinated grandkids? And it's like, there's this negativity bias and also the 24 hour news cycle, also the 24 hour news cycle about COVID. I mean, there's just, oh my God, there goes the bird. Um, sorry, we have this bittern in our backyard, our courtyard. It's amazing. Um, so yes, there, everything you're talking about is true. I mean, do people know about the negativity bias? Cause you should explain it. Yeah. So when, you know, we evolved as a species to survive, right? Those who survived were able to, had an ability to remember where danger was and what was most dangerous and where the, the poisonous thing was and where the dangerous river crossing was. And those were the ones who survived and passed on their genes. So our, it was much more much more important for us to do that than to remember where the delicious strawberries were. It was much, much more important to remember where the poisonous thing was or the danger was. And those are the, the ones who passed on their genes. So we just all have this natural bias towards negativity. The neuroscientists say that our brains are like, uh, they're like Teflon for positive things and like a Velcro for the negative things. So it's That's important great. to- to recognize that and and we have to kind of start to notice that notice that i'm always worrying i'm always 
thinking about the negative thing and start to actively interrupt that pattern and counteract that if we're going to have any peace at all, I think. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Right. So uh, I'm going to go into advertisement mode, but I feel not bad because um, what I'm advertising is free. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I did free range kids for 10 years, right? Just me and this very same computer that you're interviewing me on, writing all the time, giving lectures all around the country and actually sometimes the world. And so many people would nod along. I would say, you know, like, uh, do you, what do you remember doing that you love doing as a kid? And I said, oh, they love whatever. And then I said that you don't let your own kids do. And everybody would laugh and go, oh, my God, it's true. We love playing in the forest. We love making the, the forts. We went to the candy store. You know, whatever it is, people would talk about that. And then I would give all my statistics. Like, if you wanted your child to be kidnapped and held overnight by a stranger, how long would you have to keep them outside, unsupervised, for this to be statistically likely to happen? Oh, I love this statistic. I have no Do idea. It's like it? something like 40, 40, I don't know, like 40,000 hours or something crazy. Like, yeah, I don't some, remember. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's crazier. It's 750,000 years. Um, oh my God. Yeah. You know, just like how many, how many Powerball tickets would you have to buy to be statistically likely? So it's, it's a huge number. And actually I just read another number that was like 8 trillion, one in 8 trillion for something but I don't remember what. But anyways, the point is that we're afraid of things that have um, a very small likelihood of happening. And 
And so you say these things and people laugh and people reminisce and people try to do the numbers and then they go home and nothing changed because of exactly what you just said. It is really hard. You can't be the only person sending your kid to the park if nobody else is going to be playing with the kid at the park, except the stranger, except the guy who lost his puppy. So, uh, you know, and if your neighbors are going to say, like, I saw your kid outside. Is that OK? She's only 15, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. So so what you have to have is you 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 can't change a single person at once or you can, but it's um, it's really retail. But if you can change a community at once or a group of people at once or they're all going through this experience together, including the kids, then it is much more fun, much more organic, much less scary, um, and just normal. So when I say that, so, so, so 10 years, free range kids, me on my computer. And then about three or four years ago, Jonathan Haidt, who wrote um, The Coddling of the American Mind, uh, was talking to Daniel Shuckman, who used to be the head of something called FIRE, which fights for free speech on campus. And they were both bemoaning the fact that on campus, kids seem fragile. You know, like I was just listening to a seminar last night from some psychologist at Yale saying that there's there's just too many kids for the slots that are available for the mental health services they have. Sometimes you're put off for weeks or months. And so what is going on? Um, so one good thing is that it it is no longer embarrassing to ask for help. You know, to, mm -hmm. to say I want to get some mental health is not considered like you weakling or you crazy person. So that's good. But it also seems like simple things are making kids feel more afraid and um, tense and nervous and anxious than in other eras, um, like going into a store. So um, the idea of we have to change childhood somehow, but changing childhood was not working with my brilliant lectures and amazing statistics. So when we formed our new nonprofit called Let Grow, not let it grow, not let's go, let grow. We decided we would focus on behavior. And our two main um, initiatives are through the schools because there's a bunch of people in schools. It's not house to house combat. And so one of them is what I was just mentioning before, the Let Grow Project, where all the kids in a class, a grade, a school, a school district, get the homework assignment, go home and do something new on your own without your parents. And we give a big list. It looks a little babyish, but it's a big list. And you don't have to do something that's on the list. You can make up anything that you want to do. You can go to the creek. You can ride your bike. You can make dinner. You can walk the dog. You can, um, you know, whatever it is that interests you that your parents agree to. And the parents who normally might not be ready to agree do because everyone's doing it. And the school is endorsing it. We did this and in my school. school. We did it. Uh, you we, know, oh my God, tell me. It. Oh my God, I, I should interview you. Okay, tell me what happened. <laughs> really, we never hear, you know, these schools that everybody downloads the stuff. We see, you know, 50 states people have downloaded our things, but do they write us? Do they call us? You know, no. So tell me about you what happened. Call, <laughs> you, you never call. You never call. Write. Really, really uh, ungrateful <laughs> children. <laughs> no, we, we got the list sent home. And for us, they had already done most of the things on the list in my family. Throw out the list, uh, yeah. But, but it was, it, we were really happy that we did it as a school. I think we just did it the one year. I mean, then we had the whole pandemic. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's what, bad timing. What, <laughs> the, the timing was not good for that. So, 
but but yeah it seemed like uh, at least in my own family I didn't talk about it with a lot of the others but I guess and I could I could actually ask the principal if you want but um I ask the principal uh, to do it this coming year you know and I, I and I'll, I'll talk year, to him yeah, or her yeah. on the phone that'd be great Sure, sure. I'd be happy to because exactly that, like we want our kids to, who, you know, are allowed to go out and explore the world and do things to, we want their friends to be able to join them, you know, we want them to be able to go out and find their friends. But then now I'm just worried that the pandemic has just set all the kids back into like, just, you know, playing video games all the time. So I don't know. I'm I'm a little worried about the uh, the future of their 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 exploration, their time exploring outside and in the neighborhood and in various things. But they did as a couple of a friend, some friends of them and my daughter and some friends. They biked to the comic book store. Oh, so they did do that comic uh-huh. books with a friend. That was enough motivation. But as somehow the the convenience store was. <laughs> Oh yeah, too daunting, but <laughs> all those all those nice middle-aged guys who hang out at a comic book store. No, so um that is very cool. Did they do it just once? Just once, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So when I first, I mean, I don't come up with any of my ideas. Let's just mm-hmm. be frank. The 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 Let Grow project started out as the Free Range Kids project. It was invented by a sixth grade teacher in Manhattan. And then um when it became the Let Grow project, we sort of, you know, interviewed other people who were doing it. And there was one teacher who did it. 20 times in a oh, year. Wow. Uh, yeah. In a year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there are ones who do it every oh. semester and there's ones who do it every other week and every month or as much as the kids want. I mean, it was really, there's this book called the new power and the idea is like you give up your power so that people all take these things and do them themselves. And I'm trying to give up power, do the let grow project, however your school sees fit. But the ones I have to say that the teacher who let her, who had her kids do 20 projects in a year those kids changed so dramatically. You made a little video about it, but also there's like a book coming out with a chapter on them. And it's not my book. My book has a chapter on them too. Um, it's well, just- Tell they, us about them. What happened? Oh my God, it was so great. And you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll, I'll also, I'll send the, um, we have a two minute video. Mm-hmm. So first I just went out to meet them um, while they were still in seventh grade uh, towards the end of the year. And these were the most lovely kids. They're just, you know, maybe all kids are lovely and charming, but- they would just sit with me and tell me what they did and what they were afraid to do. And they kept saying things like, you know, I was afraid to get out of my comfort zone, but Ms. Marici, who's their teacher, you know, told me I had to. And then for the let grow, they kept calling it the let grow. So for the let grow, I, you know, at first I, I decided I would make breakfast and I, you know, I Googled some videos on how to make breakfast and I did it. And I realized I loved cooking. And then I decided I would do something else. This, this one girl, she's not in the video. So I'll just tell you about her. She said that she's very, uh, she didn't use the word shy, but she said, like, I don't like talking to people, you know, and I'm really quiet. And I basically she's scared when she has to go up to people. Um, But she did the, she did the cooking. And then one morning um, her parents, I guess for her let grow project, let her stay home alone with her younger sister. So seventh grade, she's 12 or 13 years old. And her little sister, I think was kindergarten or first grade. And the parents had to go, I think to an eye appointment early in the morning. So that morning she got up and she made breakfast for her sister and she helped her get dressed and she got her backpack ready and she took her to the bus stop. And then she stood at the bus stop and while the little girl gets on the bus and then she's waving through the window. And then the girl talking to me, the seventh grader said, and she said, 
I don't know why, but I was practically crying. Oh. And it, and it was it was that I felt important to someone. Oh. And I think you know, in our in our desire and also not our desire, we've been told to do so much for our kids, to be there at the you know, pick up and drop off and at every play date and at every soccer meet and at every practice. Um, you know, we're told that that's what a good parent should do. But what we're depriving them of is the chance for them to see that they're important and they're competent and they are part of the world. Another girl told me she was really excited because she was with her mother and, and their twin younger sisters. And she said, mom, can I walk home instead of sitting here with you watching the younger sisters at the soccer game? And the mom was like, no. And she's like, let grow project. All right. So she walked home. And then after that, her mom let her walk to church one day. And there was something about the combination of the independence and church, you know, which is such a significant thing. And she said, I prayed by myself. That's just so interesting, right? Mm. It's like you have a, a you, God is watching not just your parents watching you, God is direct to you. Anyways, that seemed yeah, like yeah, a huge a personal thing. Personal relationship. Yeah. And and then she did other things after that. She got her ears pierced with her mom's permission. And um, oh, she joined this, she tried out for the swim team, which she'd never tried out for anything before. I mean, so all these kids were like, I guess you can't say literally blossoming because they didn't grow leaves, but they were opening up in a way that they had literally been like shut down before. Mm. And it was just, it was not only cool for me to see, but their parents were seeing somebody new. And the girl who did the, who went to the church by herself, got the ears pierced. She said, now she started to realize what her parents' life was like. You know, they had to do all these things. They always had to be at everything. And they always had to walk you and wait and watch and congratulate. And she said, I understood more what their life was like. And she said, and that improved our relationship. Wow. Yeah, what an amazingly self-aware kiddo. <clears throat> that's beautiful. I mean, and that's, I mean, one of the reasons like when I, I talked to you again recently, I wanted to bring you back on the podcast was because of this moment that we're in, you know, where we have all been shut down. <laughs> like we've been all told by higher authorities <laughs> to stay inside right. and to not contact people and to not take risks and to really be um, cautious and conservative in, in every way we can. And that it has been the right thing to do during this pandemic. But now we're at a place where in many communities and it's different everywhere, but we're starting to move out of this. We're starting to, hallelujah, I can like hear yeah. like the right. angels singing as right. I talk about it, but we're starting to move out of this. But, and what, there are things maybe that we want to take with us from the pandemic. Like we, maybe we want to take with us a slower pace mm -hmm. of activities and stuff and things like that. But what do we want to break out of that the pandemic has molded us into? And one of them is this super cautious, conservative place where we are with ourselves and our kids. And I wonder if you have any thoughts on that for how we can start to, I mean, yet we can do the let grow project. Like you, this is what I did is I reached out to my principal. I said, let's do this thing. And then we did it. Now I'm going to reach out again and say, let's do it a couple more times. But anyway, we can do that. But what else can we do maybe as individuals or as in conversations and groups with other parents to in yeah. help 
help facilitate uh, this opening up from this closed space that we've been in for so long with the pandemic. Do you have any ideas on that, Lenore? Yeah, I have a couple. And then I have a question for you. Um, one is, you know, the thing that kids have been most deprived of this year is obviously hanging out with other kids. And actually at like grow, we thought that that was happening even before the pandemic, because so many of the times that kids would get together, they wouldn't be coming up with what to do. They wouldn't be solving any problems. They wouldn't be creative together. It was, you know, it was soccer practice or it was chess club, or it was something that might be fun and enriching, but it wasn't, um, by them. It wasn't them organizing their time and even just hanging out. You know, you can't just hang out and talk if you're supposed to be playing soccer. So I would say the goal would be to give kids, you know, once you feel comfortable um, COVID wise, to let kids have free time together. It's just, it's something that has been seeping out of kids' lives for a generation or two as every moment is structured. And I work with Peter Gray, um, who wrote the book, Free to Learn, one of my very favorite books. He's a psychologist and a genius and a guru, and I love him, um, and an avuncular guy with a twinkle in his eye. And the thing is that he says that as, as children's free time and sort of freedom, freedom not just to roam, but to be with other kids, to waste time, quote unquote, waste time, has shrunk, so has their resilience. You know, we've been seeing kids getting more anxious, depressed, passive, self-harm, all this bad stuff. And um, one of the real antidotes to that, or maybe it's the opposite, one of the reasons they're feeling that is because they don't have this time to just figure out what they're interested in, hang out, just talk with a friend, and not just all over social media, like go together for that walk or play a game. Um, you know, maybe your 12-year-old will not be playing a game, but, you know, seven-year-olds can get together with chalk, right, or a ball or a jump rope. And um, one, uh, there's a couple ways to make that happen. One way that I've very slightly tried to popularize is the work date play date. Like I'm always working, you know, it'd be nice if I could take my computer over to your house and we would both sit there and we would, you know, take breaks and laugh and talk and not just be stuck writing all the time. And then the kids would be in the backyard. Don't come in for an hour. I'm locking the door. And so the kids have someone to play with. They don't have to be the same age. In fact, mixed ages is great. And then, so it's like, we have a play date and they have a play date, but never the twain shall meet. We're not watching over them. We're not saying, do you need a snack right now? Honey, you feel a little warm. Do you need to hydrate? They're fine. And once they get absorbed in something, they won't be asking every second for, you know, a drink, a snack, whatever, because it's fun is playing with each other. So I would say, try to do that. And then maybe this is the one I want your help with is that one of the things I haven't done to my chagrin in all these years of free range kids and let grow is figure out how to make local groups. You know, I mean, you're a mom who would like to be with, I would guess some other moms and who all thought that it wasn't crazy to let your kid walk to the store or play outside or ride a bike. How do, how do we get people together to do that? I mean, they don't have to be in the same room, but they can be, you know, you can have a, a barbecue or whatever, but how do you, how do you find another set of parents so that at least, you know, even if most of the parents on your block wouldn't send the kids to the park, you have, you know, two close friends nearby who do. Yeah, it's tough because our, our social circles are not like geographically right. centric, you know, I happen to have a group of 
moms in my neighborhood that we are all on a text chain together because someone started a book club and we've given we gave up on books a couple of years ago. excellent yeah <laughs> but, that's what I hate about book clubs <laughs> we don't do the books anymore mm -hmm. but we do we do have this sort of text chain and we have the problem I find I guess now that my kids are older is pulling them away from uh, where their friends are, which is Minecraft and um, other online social media, not necessarily in person, so that the kids are a little awkward when they get together because they're so unused to talking right. to each other in a normal space. But um, I know, I guess I would love, to, I, and this needs to be a bit a bigger conversation, you know, like how do we reach out and create groups where we can you know, we can say, you know, because sometimes what we do is we say we're all meeting at the, you know, in our neighborhood, Starbucks. like the big green, you know <laughs> what I mean? Or we take the dogs out and the dogs are playing in the circle and like bring the kids, we'll bring some snacks and the kids run around like crazy, you know? So I think we need to kind of create those moments, but definitely those moments of like um, where it's like, yeah, here, you guys go over here and we'll mm -hmm. be over here. Creating a little separation between the parents and the kids is important. And I, I think we often don't think about that as parents. Yeah, I, you know, that, that, that is one of the questions I ask in my lectures is, you know, remember the thing that you loved doing as a kid and everybody reminiscence for a second. I said, raise your hand if your mom was there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not a lot of hands. Um, so a couple of ideas. One is from Richard Louvre, who wrote Last Child in the Woods. And he recommends, even for like a local neighborhood, to, um, I guess, have a sign-up sheet or something. Obviously, it would be online. Where like Monday afternoons from 5 to 7, I'll be on my stoop. And Tuesday afternoons mm. from 5 to 7, you'll be on your stoop. So that there is an adult out there. And obviously, it'd be more fun if you and I were on the same stoop together and we could just talk. But um that way, the other parents feel safe sending their kids outside, and and yet it's not you having to be, you know, playing one-on-one -on -one security detail with your own kid all the time. So that's one idea, and I, I I haven't used Nextdoor, but that might be a way to do it through Nextdoor or through a Facebook group. I wrote down Camper. Why? Oh, I heard this idea from um, Audrey Monk, who wrote like Happy Campers or. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, Audrey right. Monk, Happy Campers. Yep. Happy she's Campers been on the podcast. Yeah, oh, yeah. We'll be soon. <laughs> oh, she's great. Yeah, she's so knowledgeable about practical things. And one of her ideas was that um, you set aside a time each day that is outdoor time, and say it's on Saturdays from you know twelve to three, or it's on you know after school days from four to five, or whatever it is. It's something that you guys set up. A parent sets up with a kid and that way it's not you nagging the kid. Oh my God, you've been on Minecraft forever. You know, how many Roblox can you, you know, play? <laughs> Instead, it's like, oh, hon, it's six. It's outdoor time. Just like it's six, it's time to go to bed or, or wake up, whatever. Six is a terrible time for anything. But the point is that it's just a, it's part of the daily schedule as opposed to a daily fight <laughs> because it's just part. It's just like you have to brush your teeth before you go to bed. You have to, you know, at six, six o'clock, it's time to go outside. It's, it's, this is just something we do. And so parents, we can talk to our kids about that by saying like, let's have a talk about like, we all need time to be outside. We all need outside time. We need time to just run around and do whatever. And you guys can do whatever you want. Let's, let's figure out together 
when, when is the best time for us to do this as a family? Like when in our week, can we do that? You know, and that can be a good conversation. And when you can have that conversation with your kids and invite mm-hmm. them for into the conversation for their feedback, then the, there's not a fight, you know, then you don't have the fight. Yeah, no, that seems really good. Um, and so the, the third idea is our other let grow initiative, which is the, the let grow play club where I was just talking this morning to, to the Boston schools about this. So where you have the school stay open before or after school, however many days a week they can do it, uh, for mixed age, loose parts, no device, free play. And so anyone who wants to, I mean, this works in the neighborhoods that are too dangerous for kids to play in parks, or they work in the neighborhood where, you know, the, the fanciest of neighborhoods, it doesn't matter because kids are already at school or they come a little early to school. And at the schools that have done play clubs where you just have a hundred kids or however many, you know, that, that fit, um, zooming around, there's an adult there for legal purposes, but they're like a I always imagine them in the corner with an EpiPen in one hand and a cigarette in the other. But Peter Gray <laughs> loftily says, imagine them like a lifeguard at the oceanfront. I'm like, okay, I'm imagining them with the cigarette oh, yeah. and the EpiPen, but okay. <laughs> um, so then the kids, if they, you know, they have to make up their own games. They have to figure out who they want to play with. They have to solve their own disputes. And what we've heard from schools that have done these is that at first the kids come and say like, he was, he tucked them all. And it's like, thank you for letting me know. And, and after a while, the kids realize like, oh, the adult is not going to be Solomon. I better go and do with this, do this on my own. And we've heard amazing stories of kids, especially like an awkward kid, you know, the fourth grader who might be a little slow or even this the genius, but nobody likes. <laughs> so what? They start playing tag with the first graders and suddenly everyone they see, you know, that the first graders see him in the hall the next day, it's like, that's Hector. There's he- Hector. Remember, chase me, Hector. I mean, it just, it can change the kid's entire experience of school. They can make friends if they haven't had a lot of friends. Teachers, the one crouching in the corner, see the kid who was like, you know, he's, he's terrible at math, but boy, he's getting everybody organized for the basketball game. You know, you can you can have the, the, the we've seen schools where there's children who are normally in a um, forget the word for it, but it's like a closed classroom or a segregated classroom. Special ed kids mm-hmm. are not segregated at playtime and everybody just finds new empathy. The older kids like playing with the younger kids and they're not bullying. They're actually nicer to the younger kids. They're actually nicer to their own peers than they are when there are no younger kids around and yeah. the younger kids are so excited that the older kids are playing with them that they don't want to be like babies. So they start holding themselves together. And instead of just whining or crying, they're like, I can handle this. You know, they brush themselves off and they play some more. So this is nothing new. This is what human beings did for the first 3 million years we were on earth, but it hasn't happened lately because it's been, they've been in organized activities where they do have somebody to decide if the ball was in or out. They do have somebody to decide how you're going to play the game and what the game is and who's on which team and who goes first. But learning all those things, negotiating all those things are these amazing social emotional skills that I would say have probably rotted (laughs) this past year, if not just rusted. And, and to bring them back, you know, we can't wait to see what happens when, you know, if it's, um, allowed in terms of bio, you know, in terms of the disease, if kids can be interacting again by the fall, which I'm pretty sure they will be, to have a let grow play club is 
the simplest way to have kids unself-consciously get back to normal. I love this. I, I want this so badly. So then, so dear listener, Lenore has a lot of amazing resources on the Let Grow site. Do you want to just tell them real quick, yeah. like what, what are the resources? So that- yeah, I'd love to. Sure. So um, if you go to Let Grow, L-E-T-G-R-O-W.org and you click on the school programs, you'll see the Let Grow Play Club and you can just bring it to a teacher or a principal or whatever. And there's You know, it doesn't take a lot to start one, but we made a lot of pages, so it looks like it's very official. (laughs) And it also explains like the benefits of free play and a little pledge that the kids sign, which is um, I'm not allowed to leave without asking somebody and I'm not allowed to deliberately hurt somebody, right? And they sign that. And then the parents sign a little pledge saying that I know my kid is not going to be happy every single second. (laughs) That's, That's the way it goes. And, and then if, and then we have suggestions, like if a kid does act out and, or is, you know, hitting somebody or doing something bad, which is rare, um, they don't get to play for the rest of that day and they get to come back the next day. So it's not this permanent mark against them. And generally the drive to play is pretty darn strong in kids. And so that's what sort of brings them along. We've heard great stories about fewer kids going to the principal's office and stuff once play club comes. I mean, it, not to say that it's a panacea, but I think the reason that all species play <laughs> is that it provides something really important for the growing, you know, mouse, spider, uh, lion, and human. So uh, spiders play. Ants I mean, play. I don't know about spiders. Ants play fight. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. I didn't do the wow. research myself, and I can't imagine how glad I am uh, not to be the researcher who's studying ant play. <laughs> and my God, dinners at that house. <laughs> you know, guess what I saw today? Let me guess. <laughs> there was an ant. It was fighting. <laughs> yes, it was so great. Um, but uh, let's let's put it this way: for sure, all mammals play. Yeah, definitely all mammals. Yeah. But I definitely read about ants play fighting. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So there's a ton of resources there. Right. And one of the resources you have there that I've really enjoyed is the, like, um, the list of statistics page that, yeah, uh, yeah. do you still have that on the, yeah, I have a couple of fun site? pages. Okay. Yeah. There's, yeah, yeah. there's one that's the, there's the crime stats page, which has all these fantastic graphs of crime going over back and down. numbers For down, 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 down. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, that was like stairs. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Um, with a slight uptick, I have to say, during COVID, but I'm hoping that that's just COVID craziness. And then we have a page on urban myths, like, is it true that, you know, sex trafficking is rampant in America and children are getting taken from their parents when they go shopping at Target? And, and in fact, I interviewed the head of the Crimes Against Children Research Center to ask him how many instances does, you know, have been recorded through the FBI, through local police departments in America of children taken from their parents while they were shopping in a pub or in a public place and, and sold into sex trafficking. And the answer is. I have no idea. I'm probably, oh God, I have no idea. I know this has like been a big worry for people in certain circles recently. It is a big worry, but it's zero is the number that the head of the Crimes Against Children Research Center does. He works with the Department of Justice, you know, looking at the numbers and the FBI statistics. So some of the, some of our worries, you know, your brain is filled with images and ideas and they float in from a lot of places including Liam Neeson movies <laughs> and and uh, those are really scary you know and and they're fiction they're fiction not that there isn't you know sex trafficking in Thailand and stuff like that but children taken from their parents um, 
and sex trafficked in America is something that has there. There's no recorded instance of it in the Department Zero. of Justice statistics. Yes. That's that's a heartening statistic. Yeah, I mean, I really find that page helpful because when sometimes, as I've talked about some of these ideas, people say, "But did you know?" Mm -hmm, blah mm -hmm. blah blah, and they'll spout something mm -hmm. that's completely wrong. And I was like, actually, this is really it's good to know. Like it's it's way safer in our world than it than it used to be. And so I love that. I love the let grow school stuff. I'm going to be reaching out to my principal again. Can't wait. Um, Tell us when you do it, for God's sake. <laughs> You know, and also we'd love to give you our survey so that parents could take it. And so we would have more data on it because it really does seem like um, the parents' anxiety level goes down and the kids' level anxiety goes down. Um, but it would be nice to have more statistics. We have like tiny studies. We would like to have more. Okay. Well, there you go, dear listener. If you do this, reach out yeah. to, to Lenore. Lenore, thank you so much for coming back on the Mindful Mama podcast. And thank you for doing this work. It's mm -hmm. so needed and you have a wonderful, strong voice that, you know, and you bring a wonderful sense of humor to it, but it's like so needed. But I, I really, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today and I appreciate the work that you do. So thank you. Well, you are not only welcome. I would say to any of your listeners, if they want, you know, if your school does something or if you have a particular question, you can write to info at letgrow.org. But frankly, it comes to me anyway. So you can write to Lenore at letgrow.org. And, um, you know, I really, all I care about is just getting us to the point where we can breathe again. And so can our kids. So um, if you're doing that, let me know. Lenore. Yeah. Your book is coming out again, <laughs> is it not? Yes, it is. It is the long-awaited by hopefully some people second edition of Free Range Kids. And now it says how parents and teachers can let go and let grow. And it has all these new chapters. There's a chapter for teachers, or I guess we call them educators, and um, new statistics and studies, a lot of jokes, <laughs> and uh, just stories from, look, I've been doing, I've been rowing this ho hoeing. What have I been doing? I haven't been hoeing. <laughs> Please, no. I've been hoeing the row um, for 12 years and there's a lot more stories to tell. So they're in it mm. in free range kids. Yay. That's awesome. I'll, I'll look for my second copy too, and I'll pass on my first one. So what date is that coming out? Do you know the date? I believe it's June 16th. Yeah. All right. June 16th. Awesome. Let's call June 16th Free Range Kids Day. Free Range Kids Day. Go get your yeah. copy, dear listener. It is a great book. And then you can help spread the word. Thank you so much, Lenore. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Hunter. I love what Lenore has to say about independence because it's so true. Our kids, we need to let them have this resilience. And it's really interesting because it takes a lot of that inner work of letting go, right? Our fear response wants us to sort of like hover and, and control and all of that, but it does take some inner work to let it go. And that is definitely some of the inner work that we do in mindful parenting. A lot of parenting coaches out there, you know, they talk about like the best ways to respond to your child, but guess what? They actually don't walk you through the research proven practices that it really takes to make those inside out 
changes. What's so wonderful about that is that as we do that, as we gain more awareness from the inside out, you know, we work on both of those things at the same time. We work on that inner work and we work on that outer communication and parenting gets easier and easier as time goes on, which is so cool. So if you want to learn more and get on the wait list, take it deeper, go to mindfulparentingcourse.com. And if you got something out of this episode, if you thought that, you know, you have some questions, maybe you got some objections to what Lenore and I talked about, I would love to know if you found it helpful or if you're going to do the let go project in your school, you should totally do it. Talk to your principal. You know, it makes such a difference for me to know the impact this podcast is making. It really helps me to keep going and, and you know, and have me and the team do all the work that we do to get this to your ears. So please, please let me know. It makes such a big difference. And of course, if you want to take it deeper, learn more at mindfulparentingcourse.com. And what else do I want to tell you as we do this outro, my friend? I'm just glad you're here. I'm glad you're you're here as part of this Mindful Mama tribe. You know, and Mindful Mama doesn't mean you can't be a papa or whatever you want to call yourself too. It's for moms. It's for dads. I know that if you're here, if you're listening to this, I know that you are smart, you're thoughtful, and you really care. You want to be part of the healing. And that's amazing. And I'm appreciate that about you. And I want to water those seeds in you <laughs> because those are the best seeds in all of us. The seeds of wanting to be part of the healing and wanting to be part of the change for that next generation. So good for you for being here. I'm so glad you're here. And I want to let you know, I have something cool coming up just to let you know. Next week, next Friday, I'm going to be starting a little Mindful Parenting Bites short second podcast on Fridays. So make sure you check, make sure you're subscribed so you get it. We will be talking about the Mindful Parenting Manifesto, that first one next Friday. And next week, we're going to be having the amazing Erin Huey on, who I have been quoting all over the place. So I'm so excited to finally release his episode. So... So hang in there, stay tuned. And I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me. I'm wishing you a beautiful week, my friend. Namaste. I say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and 
punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clarkfields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. mindfulparentingcourse.com When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.